If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello listeners, I hope you're all well. We are back yet again with another instalment of the Beautiful Game podcast and Eurosport collaboration. Of course, this season domestically has ended, but here we are just a few days away from the Euros. And as ever, uh, we are going to cover uh, the the games uh, throughout the tournament. Prior to the start of the tournament, we're going to be bringing you this preview, which is uh, going to be uh, a bit of a rundown ahead of the tournament, what we expect to see, who we see uh, as potential favourites, uh, teams to look out for and all the rest of it. But of course, before we dive into all of that, we need to uh, introduce the panel for this evening. As ever, I'm your host, Budge, and I'm joined by my faithful two co-conspirators, Dot and Dej. Gents, are we well? Very well, enjoying the sun. Absolutely, absolutely. I think I've been eating a quarter of my body weight in ice cream over the past few days, man. It's been lovely, lovely weather, man. But we love to see it and hopefully uh, it remains, right? 100%. Looking forward to the football as well. Nice time to detox, chill out. But this Friday, it kicks off Italy against Turkey. So I can't wait for it. 100%. Now, obviously, we have a jam-packed itinerary, so we're going to have to kick things off and get straight into it. Um, and there is no better place for us to start than for us to have a look at the um, England squad. Now, the full squad has been announced, of course, um, at the 11th hour. Uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold, unfortunately, had to withdraw from the squad with, with an injury and has now been replaced officially uh, by Ben uh, Ben White, um, who, of course, uh, is a very versatile player. We've seen him play at centre-half, at defensive midfield, at, at full-back as well. Um, but now with the news uh, officially in of the uh, full England squad, I think the best place for us to start off with is for us to agree on the best possible start in 11 for England. And so um, in, in doing so, let's let's agree first on the formation that we feel that Gareth Southgate should play. Um, I don't know, Dot, let's actually, let's start with you, Dot. So you you pick the, the formation that should be played and then we're going to kick off with um, player for player, we're going to start with the goalkeeper, and Dead, you're gonna you're gonna um, name the goalkeeper, and then we're gonna go play uh, position for position. So kick us off, Dot. If if you were Gareth Southgate, which formation would you deploy, and why? Yeah, so just just to make it clear, I will go with the team I would play, not what I necessarily think Gareth Southgate is going to deploy in the mm-hmm. Euros. So if I had to come up with a system, I think the best for this current crop of players is a 4-2-3-1 so I'm going to go with a 4-2-3-1 Okay fine fair enough um, Dej who are you naming as your starting goalkeeper? First of all I want to make it clear that in a tournament football I think you have to devise your formation based on your opponent so mm. for the first game against Croatia I would actually go with a 3-4-3 but fine. against Scotland I'll actually revert because I think the players in the squad actually have that tactical variety to be able to switch up so mm-hmm. against Croatia I repeat I'll go for three four three okay very interesting okay um and so yeah let, let's let, let's consider Croatia then specifically uh given that that is the, the opening game for England um it, uh, with, with that in mind who would who would you start off in between the sticks 
Um, obviously, it's going to be Jordan Pickford, but I think Sam Johnston on the weekend, he showed what a good goalkeeper he is. And we've sort of seen traits of that throughout the season where he's won his team points. I remember away against Manchester City, you know, he was making match-winning saves. So obviously Pickford's never, ever let England down. And I think it's too late to be tweaking the system. So I think Jordan Pickford would definitely start and go. Fair enough. I think, Doc, uh, it's fair to say that you agree on that take? Not to be, I like Sam Johnston a lot. Why? Okay. A goalkeeper, but again, is it our team or is it Southgate's team? If I had to pick my team, I'll probably go with Johnston. But I think Fine. it's clear that Pickford is the main goalkeeper and he's going to start. So let's go with Pickford. Fine. Fair enough. Um, and given the fact that we're all actually left-footers um, <laughs> on, 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 on the pod, funnily enough... Um, let's let's uh, go to left back next. So are we playing a four at the back, Dej, or are we? I think obviously I'm... we're playing against Croatia. <laughs> Croatia. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> and again, I think Southgate's going to be wary because they're a decent team, and with the doubts around Maguire, I think he's going to look to sort of ease yourself into the competition. So I don't think it's going to be that four-two-three-one. But is that the best fit? Because we saw the three at the back against Croatia at the World Cup and it didn't work out against this Croatia team. They couldn't get that midfield dominance. So is three at the back against Croatia the best thing to do? I'm I'm not sure. But also, we have to bear in mind, when you look at the defenders, Chelsea and Manchester City, these are players that are depth playing that three. And some of my selections, like Ben Chilwell, you know, mm. Kyle Walker's played there before as well. John Stones, all of them are comfortable with this position. I think in the last tournament, it was sort of like square pegs in round holes. Whereas mm. now there's that tactical um, experience. So we'll go with a three. Starting from the, the left central defender then, um, who who would you play in that in that position? I think if Harry Maguire is fit, he will be my left centre-back. I think the reason why Ben White was actually included in the squad is because there's doubts around Harry Maguire. So I would actually start Ben White on that left-hand side. He's a player that I've watched up close and personal. Mm. I've seen him against Crystal Palace. He can play in the midfield. He can also play free at the back. And what impresses me about him is his technique. He's got mm. a very good temperament, very silky on the ball. And I think Southgate has made it clear that he wants ball players as his centre-backs. You know, a few years ago, we saw Chris Smalling obviously ousted out of the team because of his ball-playing abilities. And I think Ben White is the opposite. He's someone that's got a bright future, only 23. And I can mm. see him making that step up to the big team. So, you know, Southgate was in the same situation in 1996 when he had to come into the squad, you know, very inexperienced. So I think Ben White will start. Okay. Um, and then in the in the center of that three, uh, again, we're assuming that um, Maguire is going to be injured um, and, and won't be able to start. Mm-hmm. Um, w- w- who do you feel would would play, uh, or who would you start in in that um, the center of that that three dot? I think in the middle of the three, I have to pick John Stones as my as my choice. Okay, I would agree with that. All right, nice and easy, that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the right side of the three? I'm going to go yeah. with... Go on, no, go on, Dej. I went in the last one. Yeah. I would have to go with Kyle Walker. Okay, very interesting. Um, any particular reasons why you'd go with Kyle Walker in that, in, in that back three? I think his main attribute is that recovery speed. Mm. And I think that's going to be vital when you're playing this position. And I think that's why Southgate, obviously there was this whole media furore when he picked four right backs. But mm-hmm. I think in his head, he's thinking, Kyle Walker, you're going to be playing as my centre-back when we play free. So I think, yeah, that's the reason. Great. Okay. And is that one that you agree with, Doc? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think we saw him, you know, this season for Manchester City recovering on that counter-attack. He's that key player that you need when teams are trying to break He's the one that usually sniffs out the danger. He has a mistake in him. We saw it in the last World Cup, you know. But, you know, I think he's, he's a top player. Okay, fair enough. Um, and then going back to you, Dej, so you mentioned it a little earlier. You said that you'd play 
um, fullbacks in 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 that midfield. Um, and so, who would those choice fullbacks be on both the left and the right? I'm gonna have to go with Ben Chilwell on the left. Again, we've okay. seen under Thomas Tuchel, you know, he's been fantastic, building up a great relationship with Mason Mount. And I think he's got that great balance between defence and attack. There's certain games where he's had these, you know, airs clipped a bit where Tutra said, you know what, I want you to rein it in. And there's other games where we've seen him attack that back post and score a goal. And I think in terms of that system, he's got much more experience than Luke Shaw. So I'll definitely, Mm -hmm. you know, play Ben Chilwell. Okay, fair enough. Um, And and Dot, on the other side of the the pitch, on the right-hand side, who would be your fullback of choice? Uh, Quite a few to choose from. Yeah, I'm gonna go with you know the Champions League winner, Reese James. I think mm. he ended the season fantastically. He's improving defensively, improving offensively. So I think for me, he starts at right back. It is a very, very tricky one, particularly because of the fact that every one of those fullbacks on the right hand side have won something domestic uh, won, won, won a trophy this year right you you mentioned Reese James having won the Champions League you've got Carl Walker who you we were obviously playing in the, in the back three that won um the, the the Premier League and then of course uh, Kieran Trippier who who won La Liga um so a very very difficult one to pick from on on that side um okay now moving things into the midfield in in the heart of the midfield which notoriously has been a uh, an area that England have struggled with in in um, uh, tournaments past, um, and and certainly one that drives a lot of debate and a lot of engagement um, in terms of what pairing works best and what have you. Um, so going back to you on this one, Dej, um, what would that midfield pairing look like for you? Mm, this is a tricky one. Again, ramifications on injuries. Jordan Henderson fit. I'm not sure. You've got Calvin Mm. Phillips, who I think will probably, if Southgate goes with a two, we'll go with him and Rice. But making my selection, I'm going to go for Declan Rice and Mason Mount. I think that three at the back gives you that sort of solidity and that protection. And I think you could afford to be a bit more daring in the midfield. Mason Mount can be the much more advanced of the two. And Declan Rice can just sit in, win the tackles, give it to the other ball players to play. So I'll go with Mason Mount. Fair enough. So I'm, I'm, I'm getting the feeling that you disagree with that. It's difficult uh, because for me personally, if I had to get Mason Mount in my England team, he will have to be one of those defensive sort of holding central midfielders because... I feel that England have better attackers than him that take up the final third position. So if I did get him in my team, he will be at centre mid. But I think against good opposition, I think against top tier opposition, you probably need to be a bit more conservative in that middle and win the midfield battle. So I'm probably edging towards Jordan Henderson and Declan Rice. But I think Henderson fit though. That's the that's a big question. That was the big it? caveat mm. I mentioned at the beginning. I'm going mm. on the fact that Jordan Henderson and Harry Maguire aren't fit. That's the premise. But, but we saw Jordan Henderson come on in the last friendly, and yes, he missed the penalty, but he he was fantastic. <laughs> you know, passing the ball forward, he looked fresh, bags of energy, getting up and down. That's the Henderson we see at Liverpool week in, week out. So this is a player that you can trust him. If you throw him in that firing line, he's going to deliver for you. And I think he has to start because for me, he's the leader in that dressing room. That's a really, really interesting point that you mentioned there, Doc, particularly because, you know, he hasn't had much game time of of, of, of late uh, at Liverpool. So, you know, if I suppose if there is a player that you would trust to throw in at the deep end, even without, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. He, he's the kind of guy that you would you 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 could trust to um, to, to to deal with that. Okay, um, but I'm I'm happy to go with um, Declan Rice and Mason Mount mm. because it's true. Risking Henderson may be detrimental to the rest of the tournament. Maybe you might want to ease him in. So I'm happy mm. to go with. Mason Mount and Declan Rice in the midfield. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've got another Champions League winner in there, you know, so um, fair play. Okay. And then we move to the front three, which is very, very interesting. And and I suppose 
you know, the, the areas that England more so than ever feel like are heavily stocked in, um, you know, so many players to choose from in those attacking positions that all offer something different and all at really good ages as well. You know, loads of young players that have, have had strong seasons uh, domestically. Um, and so, you know, certainly uh, difficult for Gareth Southgate to pick um, fr- from. Um, let's start again with the, the, the left-sided bias. Um, let's start in terms of the, the, the left side of that front three. There are a few um, players to choose from. Who, who would you I, kick off with, yeah, I, I have to take this one first because for me, it's England's best player, Jack Grealish. Nailed down on the left. I just think he's a joy to watch. Every time he plays for England, he's man of the match. He's the only player that gets the ball, makes things happen, keeps it ticking, dribbles past players. He just looks world-class and he looks just ready to set the world stage alight. So for me, Jack Grealish is a mainstay in that team and he's England's best player. And if England want to go find this tournament, you need to get Jack Grealish on that team sheet. Because for mm-hmm. me, he's the first name on it. Dej, is that something you agree with? You know, we've we've seen uh, Foden just uh, get a new hairstyle yeah. the other the other day. You know, with 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 hopes and and, and dreams of starting. You know, uh, throwing back the the years and and doing a gaza at the mm. tournament. Um, so, I mean, on that premise, do you, do you do you think that he he should be starting over Grealish, or or, or do you, are you in agreement with Dot on that one? If this tournament happened twelve months ago, I think. Gareth Southgate had his mind set in stone that his front three will be Kane, Sterling and Rashford. Mm. But 12 months, fast forward, things have changed. Sterling's form has dwindled. Rashford as well. He's not looked at his best. He's come out and said that he's had shoulder niggles, ankle niggles. So I'm going to have to agree with Dot. And I think Grealish is perfectly primed to make this running because let's not forget he missed a large chunk of the season due to injury. Had a few games towards the back end of the season. He's picked up from where he's left off. And, and when you watch him play, it's just mesmerising. Like the way he manipulates the ball, he drags three or four defenders to him, opening up space for others. So yeah, I agree 100%. Jack Grealish has to start on that left-hand side. Fair enough. And then we look to the other flank. Um, of course, you know, people have been saying Rashford has to start. People have been speaking about the fact that Jaden Sancho is unappreciated and the numbers that he's been putting up in, in the Bundesliga ha- have been overlooked uh, by, by, by England fans. Um, who would you start on the right-hand side, Dej, given what you've mentioned just then about also Sterling's form of late and that kind of thing? Who would you start in that position? This one, I think Southgate came out and said that there's one position in his team that is still up for grabs, that he's still deliberating on. And in my opinion, I think this is it. This is a tough one because on merit, I would say Phil Foden, but his best position's on the left. And we all saw in the Champions League final that you move him out of position, he wasn't as effective. And that's not his fault, but oh, it's a tough one. But you know what? I'm going to go for Phil Foden. I think... Wow. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to go for Phil Foden. I think the season that he's had, he's playing at a top level. We've all seen the trim. He's ready. He's kind of as a starter. <laughs> and I think <laughs> I think his ball level manipulation is sort of like, I think, the landmark of this England team. Back in 2008, we saw that England wanted to change the mentality to this sort of La Masia, you know, after watching Spain, you know, dominate. And I think this England team, they're press resistant. And I think he's the symbol of this press resistance. You know, they can stand toe-to-toe against these France, these Germany, Spain. So I think I'm going to stick full fold in there. I think he deserves it. And this is my biggest issue with this formation because for me, Grealish and Foden start every single day. They're England's best players alongside Harry Kane. They should start all the time. But in this system, for me, one of them have to miss out. And that's why I'm not a big fan of the three at the back because... Where's the pace in this team now? We've got Grealish that's brilliant at picking up the ball from the halfway line, turning, driving at people, playing one-twos, manipulating the ball on the edge of the box. We've got Foden that does a similar thing from the opposite side. Brilliant left foot, swivels, has that burst of pace to get past players, but who's going to give that threat in behind? And I think that's where Raheem Sterling and Marcus Rashford come into consideration. And for me, one of those two are going to have to play if you're playing throughout the back. 
But also, in caveat, because we're discussing the game against Croatia, I expect this to be a nip and tuck affair. Mm. You know, legs get tired 65, 70 minutes. That's when you can ring the changes and bring off a Phil Foden and bring on a Rashford or Sterling to run against that aging defence. So that's why I think Southgate will sort of start with this 11 and manoeuvre. And I think, you know, England have an embarrassment of riches at top. So different opposition will require different personnel. Mm. That's just my opinion. I, I think I think me personally, Raheem Sterling. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw him in on, in this game. I think he has to start. Marcus Rashford. I love what he's doing. You know, feeding the children, doing all the great stuff off the football pitch. But recently, in the last few months, he hasn't played to the level that we know he's capable of. On his day, he's a top top class player, and he's one of England's best players. But on current form, I don't think Marcus Rashford's form warrants a starting place in this England team. So I'm just going to edge with Raheem Sterling. But you feel that Raheem Sterling's form does warrant a starting berth? Probably not. Mm. But he's tried and trusted. Gareth Southgate knows Mm. what he's going to get from him. You know that he's going to wear his heart in his sleeves. He's going to run through brick walls to make this England team successful. And I think he offers that one thing that none of the other players do. And that's that pacing behind. So for me, Raheem Sterling has to play. Mm. I wonder if also that is partly due to, I mean, this is an assumption that I'm making here that um, everyone goes with Harry Kane up front. Um, And so is it with the view that Harry Kane is going to be, play a similar role that he's played for Spurs this season in, in that, kind of creative kind of role in, in dropping deep. So needs players that are going to run uh, in behind and, and, and beyond him. Is that part also part of the reason why you've gone for Sterling, Dot? I don't think you need that. Let's not overcomplicate the game. Mm. Harry Kane, you're a striker, stay in the box. This is not Tottenham. Mm. England have the creativity. They have Jack Grealish, who I said is England's best player. Mm-hmm. They have Phil Foden, who on his day, oh, he looks like the next Iniesta, the way he plays football. They've got Mason Mount bursting mm. up and down, creativity. So I don't think Harry Kane needs to drop deep. Yes, when the opportunity is there, pick up the spaces and Raheem Sterling is going to run in behind. But for me, Harry Kane, stay in the box. And you know in the box, he's the most dangerous player in the world. So stay up front and you're going to score goals. Lewandowski will argue with that one. <laughs> <laughs> very, very interesting, of course. Right. Okay. I think we've got a fairly solid starting eleven. Um, that is a, a an eleven that is filled with a lot of youthful exuberance, a lot of creativity, as you mentioned, Dot. A lot of skill, um, great finishing, uh, pace, and 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 strength and and, and energy. Um, so I, you know, I, I I back that England team to um to do a number on 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 you know um on Croatia in the, in the opening game. We'll have to wait and see. Um, if if that actually is the case. And if Southgate goes with your picks, you know, hopefully he listens to this uh, pod in, in enough time and, and manages to uh, to choose his team based off uh, your expertise, gentlemen. Um, so uh, moving into our next topic, of course, uh, uh, one that isn't um, uh, such, such a pleasant topic, but one we have to cover nonetheless. And, and, and that is the fact that... Um, you know, recently in 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 one of the friendly games uh, between uh, England and, and Austria, where Bukayo Saka scored uh, his first goal on the international stage, we unfortunately um, had a bittersweet moment. You know, with him scoring a goal, but prior to that, uh, you know, in the in the beginning of that game, when the players took the knee, we heard uh, resounding boos from from the audience, which was uh, you know very very distasteful and, and disappointing. Um, but something that has been very encouraging is the fact that Gareth Southgate's come out and he has confirmed that the um, England the, the England team and squad will continue to take a, a, a knee uh, in support and in solidarity of the movement against uh, racism um, and, and racial slurs and 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 and, and that kind of thing um, throughout the tournament. We've of course seen this uh, stance. Uh, being being taken in, you know, uh, um, and united across the uh, Premier League domestically this season. You know, it's been a, a real uh, sort of show of of solidarity with with players taking the knee and and you know 
really, really trying to move the needle in terms of, um, you know, having this as a talking point um, and, and keeping it in, in, in the media. And, and I suppose I wanted to, to hear your thoughts, gents, um, you know, really quickly on, on, you know, the stance that England are taking to continue to take the knee um, and, and, and show that solidarity throughout the tournament. Um, are you in agreement with it? Uh, do you feel that uh, it is the right thing to do? Um, or do you feel that at this stage, at this point in time, that we need to move on from the gesture and, and there is uh, and, and, and you know explore other avenues to try and and you know get this um, you know uh, horrible thing removed from the game that we all know and love? Oh, I'm I'm exhausted to keep talking about this topic. It's repetitive. Mm. It's just uh, I don't know. I think the one thing we're taking in the Yes, it raises awareness, but what's the follow through? What's the action? What are we taking any for? Yes, it's for George Floyd and to bring a race, um, bring awareness mm-hmm. to um, racial racial discrimination and stuff like that. But I think the people booing, they're part of the problem. That's mm-hmm. why we are taking the need to to make these people aware. And the fact that they're, I think it's got to the stage now. If you're booing people taking the knee, you're racist. That's as bland and as simple it is. It's been explained, it's been educated, and mm-hmm. people say, oh, you need education. But I think some people are just tapped, unfortunately. That, that's yeah, the yeah. Some people just in their head, they're set in their own ways. They don't want things to change. You know, it, it's embarrassing. But yeah, I'm tired of talking about it. We've spoken about it on so mm. many different platforms. There needs to be action. Yes, we're taking the knee, but what's this leading towards? Mm. Uh, and that's the bigger problem. Uh, yeah, uh, I agree with that. I mean... If the England squad have decided to take the action to take the knee, you support that. If you're a supporter of the nation, the supporter of the English national team, you support that. Because when you are booing them, you're not supporting your nation. You're booing players like Marcus Rashford, who was captain captain um, for the last friendly. But then if he scores, you're going to be going crazy yeah. <laughs> in the pubs. Saying, look, oh, Rashford yeah. scored the goal. So how does that make sense? And as Dez said, I'm sick and tired of this because there's one thing taking the knee to raise awareness, but it's true. What is the next action? And I think that's the problem that I see. Like, what, what next? Okay, we take the knee. Okay, awareness is achieved. Now what next? And to be fair, we haven't really seen the follow-through, but going back to your initial question, if the players have come to the collective decision where they want to take the knee, all English fans need to support that and get behind the nation because... This is going to be a talking point throughout the whole tournament. Mm-hmm. It doesn't need to be, but the tapped individuals that continue to boo are causing bigger problems. 100%. I think you, you guys have put it brilliantly just there and, and nothing really more to add. Um, I think it was also really good to hear uh, when Southgate did address it and speak about it, the fact that he was you know, trying to sort of reinforce the, 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 the fact that it's not a political stance. And I think that's mm. where some... Uh, fans may have got it confused and 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 walked I don't in think their minds. That I don't think they're confused. They're, they're, they know what they're doing. They're using yeah. it as an excuse to. to mm. But what I would say, is I think Southgate has handled, you know, all the racial discriminate discriminatory situations that the England national team have faced superbly. Yeah. Throughout his time as manager, he spoke well. He's supported his players. If the players want to walk off the pitch, he's always said, listen, he's supporting that. Do what you need to do. So I just want to give credit where credit mm. is due because I think Southgate has been fantastic in this situation. Absolutely. 100% agreed. Um, okay, thank you for your thoughts on on, on that topic, gents. Uh, we're going to move on now. Um, and what I'd like to ask both of you, um, having a look through the, the fixtures um, in the group stages... Is there any one or two particular fixtures that are standouts to you? Ones that you are really looking forward to to, 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 to viewing, to watching? Yeah, one sticks out like a good thumb, and that's mm. uh, France against Portugal. Ooh, that is mouthwatering in the group <laughs> stages, you know. The talent on display, Benzema, Mbappe, Jota, Bruno Fernandes, Renato. Oh. It's a festival of talent. So <laughs> seeing those two teams concoct, I'm yeah. looking forward to see what happens. Man, you know, I'm expecting an attacking display because 
last Euros, we saw Portugal sort of take that negative approach to win it. You know, everyone behind the ball, let's suffer as a team. But now they're star-dusted with talent. And I haven't even mm. mentioned Diaz, you know, at the back. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Fonte's there as well. He's just fresh off a title in France. So, yeah, that's going to, to see that mesh up, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. 100%. How about you, Dot? Any any uh, uh, ones in particular that have caught your eye? Yeah, I think England, Croatia. I do. <laughs> I do. I think that's going to be a very, very exciting game. England are going to want revenge, you know, after a heartbreak in the World Cup. Will there be scar tissue? Of course there'll be scar tissue because you're going to go into the tournament thinking, yeah, this is the team that stopped our, our dreams. This is the team that, you know, potentially stopped us from going to a World Cup final and, and winning the World Cup. So, of course, there's going to be scar tissue. But how do England manage that occasion? It's a young team. If they're mm. going to go down, can they recover? That's the big question. It's going to be interesting to see. Very, very, very big question indeed. But one that we don't have to wait too long to find <laughs> out, which is which is ultimately what is really, really exciting about it all. Um, okay. The next question I wanted to ask you guys is, now having seen... The uh, the full squads that have been released by each of um, each of the the, the nations. Um, who who do you feel on paper with the squads that they've announced has the best chance of winning the tournament? Who do you feel at at present? You've not seen any uh, of the group um, stage games being played just yet, but prior to the court tournament kicking off this Friday. Who who have you got nailed on as as, as favorite? If you had to nail your colors to to the mast, as we as we always like to say, um, who would that team be? I'm going to kick off with you, Dot. Who who is your favorite of the tournament right now, as things stand? It's a very very difficult question because I've spoken to a lot of people in the game, outside of the game, football fans saying, listen, France, they're, they're unstoppable. They're going to win the tournament. Kareem Benzema coming back into the fold. This is a world-class striker. Add that to Kylian Mbappe and Griezmann. And it's going to be like FIFA, if we're, if we're being totally <laughs> honest. For me, for, for me, I'm going to go with Portugal. I just, I love this team. I love this team. I think I agree with Dej. When you looked at them in the last Euros, it was more defensive first. How can we set up shop, get a counter-attack and win the game? But now, this generation of Portuguese talent is scary. Ruben Diaz, Cancelo, Jao Felix, Bernardo Silva, <laughs> Diego Jota, Bruno Fernandes. It's endless. For me, they'll win the tournament. Mm, yeah, yeah. 100%. You've got a really, really good shot there. Um, they are really littered with, with with talent. And if you add to the fact that... Cristiano um, Ronaldo. Cristiano Ronaldo, you've of course not, not haven't mentioned. Rafael Guerrero at left back. <laughs> they've, they've literally got a star-studded team. Um, and then, of course, you, you mentioned... You, you, you add to the fact that Fernando Santos has won the Euros with Portugal back in 2016. And, of course, the Nations League in 2018-19 and this team is significantly better than those than both of those teams right so they've got to be in with a with a, with a shout most most certainly how about you Dej what 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 are your thoughts in terms of the the best um or, or the team that you feel feel are most likely to win it I'm gonna have to go with the world champions France I know we mentioned them they're probably the easiest choice to pick but you know, you're pitting the world champions and you're adding possibly the best strike in the world to that rank. And plus, you've got probably this season the best central midfielder in N'Golo Kante, you know, marshalling that midfield, you know, being that night watchman in front of the centre-backs. I think their defence can still be found out. Presnel, Kimbembe, Varane. I think they're type B centre-backs. They're lacking that Ruben Diaz sort of figure. I'm kind of shocked that Upamecano and Conarty weren't included because they're more of those, you know, physically imposing centre-backs. But I think France will have it within them to, to solve any puzzle in, in, this, in this tournament. You know, mm. you've got that rip-roaring speed of Mbappe. You've got that experience, that nous of Karim Benzema. And there was even a clip I saw the other day of Benzema taking shots and Mbappe was just looking like a student. Okay, this is how the goats do it. Okay, this is how... <laughs> I think... That blend is just perfect. So I, I think France are going to do it and, and win the Euros. Mm. And, and I think, you know, 
you you mentioned some really really good points there, Deja. Of course, um, you know, off the back of the World Cup win as well, um, and and the the big point talking point has been the fact that Didier Deschamps has brought back Benzema. Mm. You know, after that, you know, those two were at loggerheads for mm. for so many years, and he was out in the cold, and he's brought him back. It's like, is that a you know a, a sign of uh, the, the, a manager who is willing to adapt, who is willing to you know you know, bite the bullet and, and do things in a very different way and, and go about doing things, you know, just change his strategy a little bit. You know, I think it is definitely one to, to, to look out for. A question that I had for you, um, Dej, was off the, uh, the, uh, the back of the point that you raised about uh, the defence and the centre def- uh, defensive pairing and Varane and uh, Kimpembe, who, 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 who you mentioned were are, are like type uh, B defenders. I wonder if, and a penny for your thoughts on whether you feel Amrik Laporte is a type A or type B because of the fact that he couldn't get into this French squad so much so that he changed his uh, his, his nationality basically and has gone with a Spain squad. Do you see him as a type A or type B defender? Could he have been that Diaz in this French squad, do you, do you think? I would say he's more towards Taipei than the other two, mm. but still I don't have him as an out-and-out leader. Yes, he had a rich vein of form under Manchester City, but since he suffered that nasty sort of knee injury, he hasn't sort of been the same. But I do believe there would have been a place for him in this team. Yeah. Yes, he's mm. probably lacking the momentum from playing consistently yeah. for Manchester City, but I definitely would have picked him ahead of, you know, either Varane or, or Kimpembe. So it's a strange one for sure. Mm. And so, of course, we've mentioned who we feel are the, the favourites to win it in, in France and Portugal. Um, who would you regard as the dark horse of the tournament? Who is, who is a team to watch out for? The, the one that is, is, you know, going under the radar a little bit um, with not too much pressure, not too much expectation, but who could really uh, cause some, some, some trouble at this, at this tournament dot, who, who would you go with? I'm going to go with Turkey. Um, okay. I think, I think they've got a good team. I mean, the fullback Selic, you know, just won a league title for Lille. Yilmaz, you know, surprised, scored a lot of goals. Lille, they, these are title winners now. So they're coming mm. into this tournament with a lot of confidence. Yokushlu, who was alone at West Brom. I was a big mm. fan of him. Defensive midfielder, solid, gets about the pitch. So Yonchu and Kabak, very strong defensive duo at the back. So I think Turkey, they're going to they're be a threat because you don't want to play a team like that in the later stages because they can cause a shock. And we've seen mm. it before with teams like Greece, teams like Portugal in the last Euros where player for player, they're probably not the best in terms of talent. But once you mesh the collective together, it ends up in, in glory. Mm. So I think Turkey mm. are going to go far in this tournament. Very, very interesting one. Definitely a left field one, but uh, I, I certainly will be keeping my my uh, eyes and ears peeled for for, for Turkey. And I think a lot team. of those players in that team will be playing for moves. I think Selic, he's being rumoured to be linked with a few of the top clubs in England. I think Tottenham are tracking him. Your Kushlu, who had a very good spell at West Brom, I like him. I think he's mm-hmm. Premier League level, so he will probably move on. I know he was unknown but he will probably move on from the club that he's at to come to the Premier League. So they have a lot of problems. Kabak, Penny for his thoughts. He thought he mm. was joining Liverpool this summer, but mm. it seems like Liverpool favoured Kanate, but he's a player that's probably going to put himself in the shop window. So this is a dangerous Turkey team. Absolutely. Okay. And and at your end, Dej, who, who are you backing as a, the, a dark horse in this tournament? We've mentioned the Francis, we've mentioned Belgium, Germany, Portugal, but there's one nation that we haven't mentioned, and that's Turkey's Friday opponents, Italy, the Azuri. When I look through that mm. team, they've got dark horse potential. You've got a <laughs> potent striker, Chiro Immobile. You've got those war horses at the back, Benucci, Cellini. In the midfield, yes, I know the tread might be going on the leg. In front, you've got Verratti, you've got Jorginho, you've got, you know, we're talking about dark horses at the end of the day. And I think Insigne at the top, Chiesa, Juventus, these are talented players mm. and there's not much pressure on them. No one's talking about them. Everyone's saying 
you know, it's going to be France, Portugal or England are in that pack. But I think mm. they can spring a surprise or two because they've got all the components. And, and when you look at their qualifying campaign, they're perfect. You know, perfect. Mancini's got them ticking. And I remember a few years ago, Conte, you know, created this sort of siege mentality with, with Italy. And I think it's going to see, be that similar sort of vibe where they come together and create that siege mentality and cause some upsets. Mm, very, very, very interesting. Most certainly. I think another one to add to that mix potentially is, is Belgium. I don't think that there's going to yeah, be much. I don't think you could. I, that's why I'm not comfortable sitting here saying Italy and Belgium are dark horses. I think these are leading European nations when it comes to, you know, being in with a chance to win in the tournament. I don't think we can sit here and say players like Kevin De Bruyne or Lukaku and the ridiculous arrays of talents that Belgium mm. have and say they're dark horses. If Belgium don't get to the semi-final, it's failure for them. Simple. I think Italy mm. definitely fall under that category. When we've spoken on their offer, no one's mentioning them. There's mm. like an elite three or four. Then Italy are probably seven, yeah. eight, nine. So I would say they're definitely under that. Belgium, I agree. They're one of the top teams in Europe. You can't, you know, even though their players are probably in a bit of a bad moment in terms of Hazard's had a bit of an up and down season, or I would say mm. down season. You know, De Bruyne's coming off that nasty facial injury, you know, looking like a boxer almost. So I yeah. doubt whether he's going to participate. When you look at the defence, oh, the viral, you know, past his best, the tongue. The tongue I, know, mm. I know he won at Benfica, but still his age in defence. For Milan, who's playing in Japan, you know, you know, it's a team that that equilibrium has gone. Mm. I think the World Cup was there, you know, the last chance for the golden generation. I don't expect them to win it. But I don't call them a, a dark horse. Let's remember, this is the number one ranked team in the world. This Belgian team, they're fantastic. Let's not make any excuses for them. If they do not get to mm. the semi-finals, for me, it's failure. And the manager's position needs to be reconsidered. And so do you feel like generally then, that is the expectation? Do you Absolutely. feel that, do you feel that pe- generally uh, fans will expect for Belgium to go through to, let's say, the semis in this competition? Absolutely. Absolutely. But also... It depends on the the draw. It mm. depends who faces who kind of thing. If Belgium, I don't know how the draws are, you know, manipulated, but if they face a big team, a clash of heavyweights, mm. either of them can go out. So, you know, it depends on that as well. Mm. Okay, fair enough. I think that, um, that, that, that topic actually um, is a perfect segue into the next, um, question that I wanted to ask you ultimately, which was who you feel at this stage is likely to be the biggest flop in terms of, you know, what the expectations are prior to the start of the tournament and where they ultimately will end up. Who has the biggest chance to flatter to deceive ultimately uh, in, in this tournament? I'm going to go with Holland. I think before wow. the tournament, you know, Van Dijk's injury, he was a key component to why they could have gone far. And I look through the team. Again, we talk about Taipei centre-backs. You know, Ake, I like the player, but he's like a number two centre-back. When I look at the spine, you've got Gini Wijnaldum. He's a top midfielder, competed at the top for a few years. Then you've got Depay up front. I think Depay can win you games, but he can't win you tournaments. You know, and, you know, I've spoken to one of the players in the camp. They're confident. But I believe, again, at this level, you have to look at the manager and the dugout. And, you know, De Boer, you know, I liked him as a player, very cultured, but he hasn't really pulled up trees. And I think Coleman had something special going. And I think that momentum has been checkered since he came into the hot seat. So I think they're a team that, you know, they're a big nation, but I don't think they're going to sort of do anything in this tournament. Okay, fair enough. And and at your end, Dot? Um... I just want to touch on Netherlands because I think that Donny van der Beek injury is a big deal because he was that kind of player to make the difference in the final third. I know he's had a tough season for Manchester United, but you know, for him to miss out on the Euros is heartbreak because this is a player that we know he has quality. He makes third man runs. He can be that difference maker. He's one of those kind of players that can nick a goal to make it 1-0. And I think his absence is a massive blow for them. And I see Netherlands having a bad tournament because of that. Mm. Fair enough. But, okay. But, but then if I had to go for my... I, I think Germany. I'm not looking at this German national <laughs> in the minerals to, to win a tournament, if I'm being totally honest. 
before, when I look at Germany, I see world-class players all over the pitch. I see that mentality that we must win. But I don't think this German team has the star quality this year, personally. Mm. Hummels at the middle of that back three. Can you trust him with the pace, the recovery? I'm not too sure. I'm Rudiger. Rudiger will be bailing him out. you got Nicolas Sula. Mm. You've got a front three of Gnabry, Sane, Werner, Havertz can play that. Number nine. I think, I think they've got a decent team, but they're in that group of death. But I think as we discussed off air, there's going to be those four best placed third teams, which mm. gives them that sort of get out of jail card to, yeah. to progress. But I just think that that midfield of Gundogan and Tony Cruz is just a bit one paced. So like Real Madrid's... It reminds me of that yeah. Real Madrid setup. Mm. Give mm. them the ball, let them play on their own terms. They're going to have a jolly up. But they're fantastic, <laughs> world-class players. Yeah. But if you press them, harass them, you know, be tenacious with them. I can see that midfield folding personally off the ball. On the ball, they're world-class players. Off the ball, I'm not sure about that midfield and defence. Fair enough. Fair it's enough. It's funny that we've had a whole conversation and we haven't mentioned Spain. Because <laughs> they're another team that I can see struggling in this tournament because I looked at their 26-man squad and it doesn't look amazing, if I'm being honest. Yeah, it's almost like Luis Enrique self-imploded. No Real Madrid <laughs> players. You know, you've got Ramos, yes. I feel like he's I done know. that on purpose. He, <laughs> must have, he must have done that on purpose. <laughs> no Carvajal, no Carvajal, no Ramos. Yeah, it's, uh, he's done Vegas that on believe. purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. So, uh, just in the interest of time, we've only got a few minutes left. We're going to have to do this uh, last segment as a really a rapid, quick fire um, responses. Um, so, I'm just going to say the topic, and I just want you to give me a name, both of you. Right. Um, we're going to start off with you, Dot. The first thing I'm going to ask is. The Euros golden boot will go to Mbappe. Okay. Dot, the Euros go- golden boot will go to Kareem Benzema. Very interesting. The Euros golden ball will go to back to you, Dej. Ingolo. Gonna okay. do He's going to do it again. Um, dot the golden Correct, ball. Correction: The golden boot is going to Romelu Lukaku. That's who I've got down actually as as golden ball. Uh, sorry, golden boot. Um, and golden ball um, will go to dot. You know what? I'm gonna go out on a limb. Jack Grealish. Interesting. Okay. Uh, final one: the best young player, uh, age 21 years of age or younger at the Euros, will be? Let's start off with you for this one, Dot. Who will be the best young player don't, at this Dej, tournament? I don't think... Did you Wait, did, did Dej, did you give your golden... Golden ball? Yeah, did, yeah, did, yeah, Kante. Yeah, Kante. Kante. Kante, Kante, okay. And then the best young player... You're just showing up my limited knowledge. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with Jao Felix. Okay. Is it under 21 or what's the... Yeah, yeah, 21, 21 years of age or younger. I'm going to go... This is a left-field one. I'm going to go for Alexander Isaac at Sweden. This is a young boy that, you know, had bags of potential. We saw him go to Borussia Dortmund. Everyone thought he was going to be the next one off the conveyor belt. Went to Real Sociedad. No, 17 goals in 34 apps. Formed a great relationship with Oyazabal. He's been doing bits and obviously with that sort of setback of Ibrahimovic being ruled out of the tournament, obviously coming out of retirement to play in the tournament, I think he's going to be the man that carries Sweden on his back. And Sweden are one of those teams, you look at them and think, oh, they haven't got much. But they always manage to get themselves and navigate themselves (laughs) outside of the group. So I think a large part of that will have to do with Isaac. A hundred percent. I think that one certainly will be one to watch out for, particularly because a lot of those players will... Uh, no doubt be playing for moves. And I think off the back of these to- this tournament, we're going to see quite a few moves uh, of, of the best uh, performing players uh, into the Premier League and, and in and around Europe as well. So definitely be one to watch out for. So just, to, uh, just a reminder to wrap, to wrap it up, 
we've gone for in terms of the um, people that were or, or the teams that we're backing to win, we've gone for France or Portugal. And in terms of the flops of the tournament, uh, we've gone for the ne- Netherlands and we've gone for Germany, potentially Spain as well. Mm. Right. Um, again, as I, as I mentioned a little earlier, the exciting thing is that we don't have to wait too long. You know, this is just days away. So, of course, we're going to be waiting with bated breath ahead of uh, the Friday kickoff. And we've got a very tasty tie to kick things off with as well in, in Italy versus Turkey. So we're absolutely looking forward to that. And just a reminder to all of you guys that are tuned in that over the course of the tournament, we will be bringing you regular content. We will be uh, reviewing uh, the games, um, you know, standout performers, uh, flops, um, tactics, uh, and, and all the rest of it, as, as we always do uh, on, on, on these collaborative episodes. So we're going to leave it there for now. Thank you very much for listening in up until this point in time. Thank you to Dot and Dej for sharing your views on each of the topics that we discussed on this episode. And for all of you listeners, um, I hope you enjoyed this and we'll catch you on the next episode. Until then, over and out. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 